Welcome to episode 28 of Constructing Comics, a comic podcast building comic stories one page and one panel at a time. On this, in, on this episode, we have an interview with Andre Fertino and Andrew Burkett, the creators behind the Kickstarter currently running Tokyo Rose. This is Matt, and I'm joined by my co-host Noah. Hey there. And Andre and Andrew, why don't you uh, say hi to the folks? Hey, folks. Hey. Hey, guys. Okay. Okay, so um, Andre, as the writer, why don't you uh, kick us off with a little bit of uh, background about yourself and about the the comic Tokyo Rose? Uh, yeah, I've been a, um, a graphic novelist now for about seven years. Uh, published a number of uh, graphic novels uh, set in and around Florida. And uh, my latest graphic novel, my actual first Kickstarter, Simon Says, uh, Nazi Hunters, is actually coming out this September through Image Comics. Uh, and Tokyo Rose uh, just seemed like the inevitable next step. Um, it's a great story. It's a, it's a, a very dramatic story uh, based off true events of Aiba Tagori. She was a Japanese-American who was stuck in Japan during World War II, and she had the struggle to survive, and along the way she became known as the infamous Tokyo Rose, which put her on trial for uh, the seventh American um, on trial as a traitor to the U.S., and uh, it's a riveting story. It uh, is full of all sorts of still relevant, sadly, uh, topical information. And um, I'm working alongside my fellow artist colleague, Kate Casanow. Uh, she'll be doing the illustration work for it. Okay. And, and Andrew, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role as uh, sort of the, the organ organizer or the, uh, the person behind uh, all the, the Kickstarter? All right. So my name's Andrew. I run a company called Atheris Entertainment. So I um, am a board game designer and I'm a writer. Um, and Andre and I have been friends for a while. We met in Gainesville, Florida while I was going to the University of Florida. He um, showed me his cool car. I, I'm a big <laughs> car nut and he has, he has a Beetle that looks like uh, Herbie. So nice. we started talking about his car and then we became really good friends. And actually during my first Kickstarter, um, I got stuck in Savannah where he lived. Uh, my I couldn't get my tire changed. No one was open and my lug nuts were like super stuck on there. And so I had to sleep on his couch. And when I woke up in the morning, my Kickstarter was funded. So it seems kind of like a natural thing to, to work with Andre on his Kickstarter. Awesome. Um, but the, the first time Tokyo Rose went on Kickstarter, unfortunately didn't fund. And so he brought me on to help with the Kickstarter because I've done four projects at this point that have raised around $75,000 for board game stuff. So people can see behind me, there's a board game shelf. I, so that's my thing. I make board games. That's so awesome. <laughs> and um, Andre, uh, what are the board games that you've created and on Kickstarter? Oh, so, I haven't created any. Oh, you oh I'm sorry. Andrew, I'm I know, getting so mixed up. Andre thing going yeah, on. Yeah, so. we're, we're, we're close. I am There's incredibly only sorry. Between. No, so, so I, um, I made a game about annoying neighbors called Cul-de-Sac Conquest. So that was my first project that raised about $20,000. Then I made um, a game I imported from Argentina called Mutant Crops, which are farming mutated crops that eat steaks, of course. Um, and then my <sighs> third game, which I designed as a called supernatural socks so ghosts are stealing everyone's socks and that's why socks go missing obviously um obviously so, yes yeah, so, so, you get so those a are my game in that box too it's really cool <laughs> oh cool <laughs> it sounds right oh, up my alley he's gonna go get the socks yeah, yeah that's <laughs> it um uh, uh -huh. so yeah so then uh, i have 
and then I, I co-published a game with a, a bigger board game company called or the mining game so it's a longer strategic game um so that's kind of part of our strategy going forward is we started co-publishing with more companies and working and doing kickstars for other companies rather than just doing all my own projects that's Great. so awesome and andrew um the the book that's coming out through image is that uh in a trade like have you self-published it up until now and image is putting out the trade or are you doing issue by issue with image uh no what we're doing is um it was actually a kickstarter comic that i worked with my friend jesse lee um we only had planned to do 45 page issued comic in hopes that we would then pitch that around for publication uh mainstream and uh, we were lucky enough to get uh, Image interested in it. And so we developed a 120-page completed graphic novel. Awesome. Wow. And so was... Uh, went out soon. And was, uh, I, and I'm just guessing, was, uh, was Image uh, the, the first people that you go to? Or did you shop it around a few places first? Uh, no, that was a really lucky circumstance. Uh, we went, we took a 14-hour drive up to Chicago for the American Library Association Conference just to kind of be there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, while we were there, we bumped into some of the people from Image. Uh, my uh, publicist, Liz Galati from uh, Sphinx Group, she's been invaluable to that project. And she connected us with the, uh, the contacts over there. And they were really the only ones we had considered it. Um, so they kind of just knocked on our door after we sent in a copy for them. And they said, yep, we'll do it. You know, let us know when you're ready to publish. And it's just been a roller coaster since then. So uh, we had a couple other publishers interested, but to be honest, I mean, Image was where we were going for to begin with, and we were lucky that we didn't have to shop around. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, if you in, if you don't want to say that's okay, did you talk to any of the, like the the high level Image guys, like the the Eric Stevens or anything like that? Or uh, I mean, yeah, we got to talk with some of the big. Uh, oh, okay, very cool. Were, so um, yeah, I mean, all of the people at Image have been really supportive of the book really helpful and um you know we're hoping again like i said we want to do the same thing with tokyo rose try and catch lightning in a bottle twice very cool and tokyo rose is such a unique story because you don't see very many graphic novels out there that are straight historical events like you'll have some where they'll incorporate historical figures and then have some fantasy element to it but this sounds like a straight historical um representation in a graphic novel am i correct yeah so when we did do simon says uh nazi hunter that book um was based off of uh was inspired by a person known as simon wiesenthal who was a uh artist who survived the war and became known as the most prolific nazi hunter and wow. uh called him the jewish james bond so we took a lot of liberty with that ideology we kind of mm -hmm. had fun with that with tokyo rose um uh you know it wasn't necessary in a lot of ways not saying it would have been necessary for simon says but with tokyo rose every instance of the story that we read it was just it was wow every moment of it so you were kind of like to elaborate or to fictionalize this would do it injustice because the story was just so riveting moment to moment that's interesting and andrew do you try to focus on that aspect while you're promoting this kickstarter or helping with it at all or um, what do you tend to focus on when you're when you're sort of uh, pushing this for backers? Yeah, so I, I mean, we we definitely showcase that story a lot. The story is super important, um, and it's something that isn't well known. And I think that's what's kind yeah. of it, it's a it's a challenge, and it's beneficial of like 
you're trying to inform people about a story they've never heard of um, and show them why the history matters and then also trying to get them to support the project and want to learn more about that story, which um, it can be kind of a challenge of like, just getting people to know of it, like a Nazi hunter that, you know, Simon Says did really well because of, you know, that theme people just know and they know that history and, you know, they want to read those kind of stories. So this one is probably a little more challenging in its theme of like people just have to understand that that is true history and see the story and and understand how riveting it really is. Um, But but it's crazy. I mean, obviously she, she was the seventh U.S. citizen to ever be convicted of treason within the U.S., which is crazy in and of itself. Um, but then hearing the story of why she went to Japan to go visit her family in the first place and the whole way through is very interesting. And so the marketing is a lot based on that story. That's incredible. And this this AI aspect of World War II is slowly becoming forgotten history. We tend to yeah. focus a lot on the European conflict, but we sort of forget about the the Asia conflict a lot in when we look back on World War II. I mean, we, of course, we have the, the tent poles, we have Pearl Harbor, we have um, Hiroshima, you know, but, you know, we, we forget about all the other stuff in between yeah. the, 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 the individuals that were affected during this time. And of course, you know, with the Chinese, the millions that were affected during this time. So it's really interesting to see this kind of representation of World War II. Yeah, my grandfather was actually at Pearl Harbor when the wow. uh, attack happened. He went on to fight at Guadalcanal, Iwo Jima, uh, Okinawa. Um, you know, he was at all the major battles. So, uh, you know, there's a personal ad-, ad to that. But you're right, 100%. You know, with every year we lose more and more veterans uh, and more and more people from that era. So, yeah. you know, it's going to get to a point where the next generation, rev- the World War II might as well be as far away as, you know, the Revolutionary War. Um, yeah. they're not going to see it in the same way that we see it, you know, having known people who existed during that time. And so it's really important that the graphic novel form, comic books, sequential art is primed to teach that upcoming generation how to think of education, how to think of the stories, how to think of the history, and to be motivated to learn beyond what comic books can provide them. So That's really interesting. Um, when you were, when, how did you find out about this story? Like, what were the origins there? Like, where did you discover this? Uh, the first time I had ever heard of Tokyo Rose, I was watching the movie uh, Operation Petticoat, which is oh, yeah. with Harry uh, Grant. I don't know if you've seen and, it. Before. And Tony Curtis. Yeah, and Tony Curtis. It's a great movie. It's a lot of fun. Um, but there's a scene in it, and I've posted the video on a couple of our social medias. Um, where Cary Grant walks into the radio room and they had just finished painting their boat, or their submarine. And because they had a lack of a certain color, the submarine ended up pink. And mm-hmm. so they were, they were listening in on a Tokyo Rose broadcast. And Tokyo Rose, this fictional version of Tokyo Rose was just like, oh, we don't know what you guys are up to, but you know, surrender, give up. And that was the first time I had heard of the character Tokyo Rose. Um, and then I'm one of those people who just kind of you know, when you hear about an interesting story, you just keep, you know, reading in on it, reading in on it, anything you can find, obscure text, whatever it takes. Um, and from there on out, I couldn't really tell you where the exact moment was that made me go, this is what we got to tell. But um, I just know there was a moment when I didn't know about this. And then a moment afterwards where I'm like, this is the next project that I had to work on because it was just so captivating. That's so cool. That is so cool. And then. Um... 
from there, uh, this artist that you're working with currently, did you work with her on the Nazi Hunter book as well? Or was this, uh, is this a new artist for you? No, this is a new artist. Uh, the Nazi, uh, Simon Says Nazi Hunter, I did with a friend of mine, Jesse Lee. Um, okay. Kate Katzenel and I have actually known each other for almost 15 years. We both went to Savannah College of Art and Design together. We majored in sequential art. Um, and from like the first day that I saw Kate's work back in, gosh, it's going to date me, 2005, we were in class and I'm like, oh man, your artwork's really cool. <laughs> so that's my prepubescent, you know, 21 year old college voice um but you know i looked at her work <laughs> whimsical it was charming it was it was elegant and i always knew i wanted to work on a project with her and when you work as a comic writer and i mean i want to speak for every comic writer but you start to visualize the kind of illustration style you want in that project because i'm a comic artist as well but when i thought of doing simon says the story needed a much darker heavier grittier noir uh, tint to it and that's what jesse was able to provide for this story which is got its drama it's got its dark moments but at the same time it is kind of meant to be more uplifting and more inspiring as a story you know and with you know the touch of whimsy that we wanted to add into it being that people don't quite know who tokyo rose is uh kate's style was perfect for that and so uh, she's worked on a number of books for oni press uh as well as uh archaea and boom studios Okay. So um, she's got some clout of her own. I'm excited to work with her on this. And, uh, you know, that's what the Kickstarter is mostly for, is to help fund Kate's work on the project. That's really cool. One more question, because um, my wife will listen to this later, and she's trying to break into writing comics herself. And one of the first projects we worked on okay. was uh, she wanted to tell the story of the Romanovs. And um, oh. one of the questions she was very curious about, because she's read extensively about the Romanovs, you know, several books and whatnot. But when you're going about writing this story, and I know you've researched this, um, what are the legal ramifications of using real people in your work? I guess it's sort of a boring question, but it's something I've always wondered about, especially in graphic novels. No, and it's important because it's something I've thought about, too. Um, yeah. Life rights don't extend beyond the person's life. Um, mm -hmm. The instance of Simon Says, we literally, it's not Simon Wiesenthal that we did. It's a composite of a lot of different Nazi hunters, and we fictionalized that. With this character, with Iva, um, you know, long having been uh, passed away, you know, there's not really the same legal ramifications that if she would be alive. So, okay. Um, and on the instance also, it is not slanderous. That also kind of helps in here. I did a little research on this, and, you know, it's not like we're here to tell some sort of, you know, um, derogatory story of Iva Tagori. We're not here to try and, you know, uh, ruin her name. The story is we're just telling what we've learned through the history books in this new graphic novel form. That's, and, that's you know, cool. In another instance, which is also really important to think about, is the fact that neither Kate nor I um, are Asian American. And mm -hmm. that is a bigger thing that I think is a major concern. Um, but we have been working with a number of uh, people in the Asian American community. We have uh, assembled a sensitivity editor, editor team. Um, so they will be reading the book, each one of them coming uh, from an Asian American background. Um, and we're also working with some members of the uh, Japanese American uh, Citizen League. Um, not okay. officially, but you know, we have some people who have an interest in the project and are willing to kind of dedicate their time to review it and make sure that we are respectful and mindful of what we're doing here.
it's a great team you've got assembled. So, yeah, uh, operation is my favorite thing. So, I love, that. yeah. So, uh, Andrew, uh, what are some of the differences between running a board game Kickstarter and running a comic Kickstarter? All right, so the, there, there are a few. Um, so gaming is the largest category in Kickstarter, like by a long shot. Um, and so a lot of the goals for big tabletop projects, obviously, being, um, a bigger physical product that typically has to be manufactured in China. Um, it, the costs are higher. You tend mm -hmm. to have higher goals. Um, and there just are a lot more backers. Um, so the, the amount of backers for tabletop games is a lot higher than the comic category um, in general. So there, there are obviously big comic projects, but there tend to be more big board game projects from all the stats I've looked at on Kickstarter. Um, and I think that there's a lot less activity like with with board game stuff it there's a lot of facebook groups that as soon as you post anything about a project that's live you get eight million comments and there's comments on the kickstarter page and i've seen a lot less of that with comic books and i don't know if that's a thing of like you know they're the comic book fans are just interested in reading the story and they don't you know get as excited about the product itself and maybe the board gamers care a little bit more because it's not a like one-time use product it's something that they plan on playing several times and maybe that fits into it but that's just what i've experienced from this campaign and i don't know if it's different for other people or not um but it has been a little slower moving than board game projects but we've kind of just hit our goals that i normally would have for board games just a few days later than i would normally have okay and uh, Andre, so uh, taking uh, historical events and turning them into uh, a comic book script, what, what challenges are there, uh, like, uh, you know, beating out the story, um, page turns, reveals, uh, what, what were the challenges there? Uh, well, the challenges were, you know, as a writer, you want to make sure that you're entertaining, uh, you know, the reader. But at the same time, as a historian, you want to make sure that you're hitting cues that will have historians look at the project, at least in a much more uh, viable way um, as a teaching tool and as an example of history. So the hardest part was making sure that we found the correct places to trigger drama in the story, mm -hmm. where drama might not have existed, while at the same time staying true to historical events, or at least staying um, as close to them as we could. Uh, you know, there uh, is a real important issue to making sure that the story flows correctly from scene to scene to scene. And that was the biggest uh, hurdle for me. Uh, fortunately, working with Kate, you know, we've worked very closely together to make sure that the artwork elicits the right emotions, you know, the highs, the lows, the dramas, the humor, all of those aspects that go into the project and just making sure that it stays consistent as a story. So. And is Kate handling uh, the the lettering, or do you do you have anybody else uh, on the team? So Kate's handling the lettering, but what we're really hoping, because if we can make it to ten thousand on our Kickstarter, um, right now our goal is for seven thousand five hundred. But if we make ten thousand, um, we will be able to bring in Janice Chang, who is uh, a renowned comic book letterist. She's one of the first uh, women letterist in the industry, from what I've been told, and. Uh, her work spans across Marvel, Transformers. Um, she's done a lot of different uh, comics over the past 30 plus years. 
Um, and she's also Asian American. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, clout that Janice would bring to the project. She's a big supporter of what we're doing. Um, she's been uh, very uh, sincere and very kind and she's shared our project around and, and really supported what we're doing here. So we're hoping that we can get her a hand letter of the book, um, but uh, you know, we just got to see where we get to in the next 15 days. Very cool. Yeah. Andrew. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. No, 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 please go. I was going to ask Andrew, um, what is uh, one thing that uh, you've learned about kickstarting that you didn't know about before that like really was unexpected to you? Um, I think the, the biggest thing is uh, about bringing the audience beforehand. Um, okay. So a lot of Kickstarter, yeah. And I, I think it's the biggest thing I deal with with first time creators that I didn't as much um, have this issue just because I knew I was gonna get family and friends to support my first campaign. And now even though I don't have them, I built enough audience um, that I have regular supporters of the company itself. So I know that there are gonna be people coming in. But I think that's the biggest thing is a lot of people are like, oh, I have this great idea. I'm going to put it on Kickstarter and then people are just going to naturally find it. I'm not going to have to do anything. My work here is done. Um, <laughs> when in reality, it, it's okay. Now, this is just starting. I, I need to have built up an audience several months, maybe even like a year prior to the campaign. A hundred people or, you know, X number of people are going to buy it on the first day. And then that will help us get to at least in theory, 30 to 40% of your goal you want within the first 48 hours. Um, and so that, that's the biggest thing that a lot of creators, I think the first time around, they don't bring in that audience and they don't get the 30 to 40% of their funding the first few days. And then the campaign slogs along and maybe barely funds or isn't able to fund and they have to relaunch. So. That's really interesting. How important is uh, are like the visuals that you post along with the Kickstarter? Is, are, is that something that you have to think yeah. about going in? Yeah, ki Kickstarter and I mean people in general are very visual people. If I throw up a wall of text, no one's gonna care. Mm -hmm. um, the graphic designer I've used for all of my projects, and then Andre did the graphic design on his Kickstarter. Um, it, it's it's crucial. I mean, if people don't see pretty things on the campaign they're going to click away from it you're competing against everyone else that has a project at that time and you're also i mean i, I try to remind people that with kickstarter you're like hey will you buy this product give me the money now and then i'm going to give it to you a year from now or whatever right. um, I, I mean that's a hard enough sell as is and then you're like oh and by the way like buy this instead of the hundred projects that are also live right now um, and, and so obviously you're competing with those people, the main project image, the headline you use, everything matters. Um, and I think that a lot of times people, they, they get so focused on creating the product that they don't realize that they have to sell the product. The marketing of it is just as important, if not more important than the product itself. So will you have illustrations that go along with each of your projects and then a graphic designer to come on as well to help? you know, uh, propose those images in a way that's, that's pleasurable to people? Yeah. So, um, I, I had, um, I told Andre for, for some of the stuff when we revised the campaign page from the original to the relaunch. Um, and a lot of it is like adding graphics that just make it easier on a person to look through the page and understand stuff without having to read a bunch of text. So like adding a graphic that shows what rewards you get and having a picture of what the reward actually looks like. So here's a picture of the book the cover um 
and normally like a 3D mock-up of it that looks like it's a real thing. Um, and then here's what you get at this tier and then adding like shipping graphics to show exactly how much shipping it is and um, things like, oh, here's what our stretch goals are in a, a graphic that you can realize, oh, well, that's a letterist because there's a graphic that shows it's a letterist or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then having headings on the campaign is super helpful because, I mean, just like if you write a novel, you're going to show where each chapter is in page table of contents. It's the same thing with a Kickstarter. If someone's searching through the campaign, they might not care about everything that's on your page and people might not read everything, but maybe they do care about what the rewards are. So if they're able to easily find that, that's one less thing that will potentially get them to leave your campaign page instead of, you know, and buy something else instead of your product. So it's about keeping people on that page as long as possible and getting them to donate, um, which it requires a lot of graphics and keeping their interest. That's really cool. And did you find a lot of uh, carryover from the, uh, the Simon Says uh, uh, Kickstarter? Did, uh, did, do you have any like metrics on like the number of people who followed you from that project uh, over to, to this project? Um, I haven't done like a hard count of who's followed over from one to the other. I know that um, I have a core group of supporters and friends who definitely mm -hmm. helped uh, fund both projects. Um, we had a lot more on Simon Says, I think partly because um, we just had a lot more uh, media coverage on that. It was going through some pretty pivotal times in history at that point, right around the Charlottesville uh, stuff mm -hmm. that was going on. So you know, Nazi hunting and Nazis were a pretty poignant subject matter. So people were definitely tuning in on that. Um, it's a little harder with this one because, um, you know, it's not Nazis. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, we're seeing a, a smaller group of backers on this with a much more grassroots um, following. And I'm okay with that. I'm totally fine. I, I think that, um, you know, this project and this story is a different tone. And it is a different, um, you know, uh, uh, vibe to it. But, you know, hopefully with the success of this, we'll be able to market it around and find a good home for it that will, you know, be able to publish it mainstream and, you know, do the same thing. So. That's really interesting. And when you, um, back to your writing process, I'm sorry, I jump all over the place, but this is a very <laughs> conversational podcast. Um, I like to ask this of every writer we have on here. What's your writing style like with, when it comes to these stories? Do you write them all out like in prose? Do you do an outline of what you want to hit in the story? Uh, or do you just, you know, you write like, you know, you do an outline and then you just start writing the script. It's a lot of random notes, you know, yeah. just bullet pointed out on my iPhone for the first two months or so. And then what it is, is it does structure itself into a step-by-step -step outline, you know, with a clear beginning, middle, and an end. And then from there, what I usually do is I, you know, if I'm the illustrator, I'll thumbnail out the artwork. But as a writer, I just put it in the script format. Um, and that is where it goes. It's, it's in script format right now. It's still actually undergoing revisions, um, you know, the tighten certain things and, and just to help the flow move a little bit better. But, um, you know, it'll sit in that format for the next maybe month and a half until it's ready to go to art. Do you find that you having a background in sequential art yourself helps? inform your writing for the for different artists it definitely um helps me in the way of because as a writer for comic books you have to have you have to kind of set up um a visual for the artist to be able to translate 
So mm -hmm. I think that the more information you provide them in, you know, panel by panel design, you know, the more story you tell them, the more details you give them, the more, you know, you can explain as a writer. Yeah, having that art background definitely helps me visualize it, which in turn helps them visualize it. So, you know, I have very descriptive, very detailed panel by panel notes. Um, oh, and wow. the written out that way. So, you know, I've never had a problem with any of the artists I've worked with. Most of them say, yeah, I can clearly understand what you're trying to get here. And that usually translates to a happy writer. So <laughs> that's very cool. And like uh, with the revisions um, and the, the production of the art, do you like look at it at each stage, like at, at the penciling stage, at the inking stage? Um, uh, I know that lettering is either going to be done now or later, but do you look at it at each stage or you just do you look at it at, as like a, a final finished uh, page? Um, well, with Jesse, when we did Simon Says, uh, a lot of that was kind of like, here's the rough. And then we would look at it together. Maybe the rough would be a little bit more inked and then we would look at the final revision. Um, and with Jesse, I never had to revise anything. Everything looked great. Uh, it seems it's the same way with Kate. Um, mm -hmm. Kate actually does a little bit more detail um, and usually has the finished page done before I looked at it. So when wow. we did the sample eight pages, you know, I gave her the script. She showed me thumbnails once. I mean, super rough, like stick figure thumbnails. And I was like, uh, okay. And then before I knew it, we had the full illustrated pages and there was nothing that needed editing. Um, and, and I'm pretty easy going when it comes to, you know, what my writing style should be translated. As long as the core essence of the idea is there, as long as I know that the fans will appreciate what they're seeing, you know, I like to have a partnership with my artist. I want them to be able to develop what they see and what they think is gonna be. I trust them to do it. And both Jesse and Kate, have been phenomenal in, in that they know what they're doing when they're telling these stories in the art form. Very cool. And they have passion to it. That's the other thing. Like, I wouldn't want to work with an artist who's just in it for a paycheck. I want to work with an artist yeah. who generally has, you know, a dog in that fight or feels like this is an important subject matter. And I've worked with people who have fortunately been my friends, but I've worked with people who haven't either. And as long as I know that I can trust that person's vision to be on the same page as me, then I usually never have any problems. That's really cool. Andrew, are you, uh, what, what interests you most about, uh, like, you know, what draws you to comics? Is it, is it the writing? Is it the stories? Is it the visual side? Um, you know, and since you're going into publishing comics yourself uh, through your um, board game company, um, what, what, what fascinates you about the art form? So, so everything. So I, I have worked with a lot of artists for my board game projects and I definitely have an appreciation for art. Unlike Andre, I am not an artist at all. My stick figure's legs are always uneven. I can't draw at all. Um, but but I, I've always had an interest in writing. So I, I've written a few novels and um, write poetry all the time. And um, I've always kind of wanted to write comics, but I always was like, oh, well, I don't do art, so I shouldn't do that. Um, and then when I actually, after working on this project, I decided to start writing comics. So I, I am. All that. right. Um, yeah. So, so that's the thing I do now. Cool. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so great. That's so, great. What, what, is there something on the pipeline for you as far as the comic? Um, so I, 
all, or I won't say all, but most of my books, I, I write fictional stuff about serial killers because I Very just nice. have researched serial killers a lot. And um, so I've always been intrigued by like criminal psychology. Um, but I also wrote um, some short comic for some anthology just because I was like, oh, I'll submit it and see if they like it. And they liked it. So they're going to put it in this anthology. So that's cool. That's cool. Who's the artist on that? Uh, I don't know yet. They're, they're finding okay. an artist for me. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Wow, that's a cush anthology job you got. Are yeah. you able, are you able to are you able to uh, say what that is, or is that still like uh, in like the development stage? Um. So it's a book called Age of Savagery. Um, for Dead Star. Um, okay. Cool. I I don't know what. I can say about the story itself or that it, I mean, I no. don't know if they're going to completely no, under, pick it up or anything, but understandable. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite serial killer? How about we start there? <laughs> oh, no. Man. no. <laughs> I, I don't know that there's any favorite serial killer. Yeah, I, I've I was not expecting an answer. You don't have to worry about it. My Ted Bundy, you know, some people like Danny Rowling. I mean, you know, he was so good looking, Ted. So just, you know, just kidding. <laughs> that's awesome no that's great to i'm always glad when someone like um andre can bring someone else to the fold of comic creating or you know any comics could bring someone to it so welcome to the welcome to the art form that's great <sighs> yeah i'm excited to be part of it i like i said i i always was just like oh i don't do art so this is something that i shouldn't even look at and then Andre sent me some scripts so I could see, like, I didn't even know the formatting. I had no idea. Oh, like, that's oh, great. So this is how you format a script. That makes sense. And then, <laughs> so now I know how to do it. Um, so I guess this is a question for both of you guys, since you're now both comic book writers. Would you say there's one comic book writer that's a big influence on your style? Or, like, is there one graphic novel that you're like, when I'm writing this, this is what I have in mind is sort of like, this is what I'm striving for. And I know it's impossible to be like, yeah, I'm going to write the next Watchmen or anything like that. But, you know, I just like to ask that question. Oh man. Uh, I mean, for me, I'm not so much a fanboy of any one writer, or one artist. I mean, yeah. If there's one person I am a big fan of, it's uh, my friend, Chris Schweitzer. Um, he's done a number of uh, graphic novels called the Krogan Adventures. Which oh, I've seen those. Around. Yeah, he says those are great. Yeah, he's actually yeah. on Kickstarter in a week for uh, some uh, characters. Uh, he does these really great character illustrations, and I can't do it justice what he's building, but he's putting together a really cool project on Kickstarter. Um, so you know, uh, he's probably the one that actually is my biggest influence as far as both artist and writer. He does it all, and uh, he's a machine. He just puts it out one after the other really That's really articulate awesome. and he researches a lot too like one of the projects he went on a like i think a deep sea boating like fishing boating excursion for like three months and was just illustrating out like the correct sailor knots and how like do knots and the different types of boats <laughs> and everything. So he's a super beast when it comes to detail that's awesome what about so, you andrew uh so d- not a cop out but totally andre i have a <laughs> all, all, of, all of his books checks oh, in the mail yeah. friend <laughs> <laughs> that's so, so great 
so I have a uh, I have a question that will take us back to Kickstarter. Um, how do you guys keep your your sanity during during the the, the time period where you're trying to get funded? Uh, I've run two Kickstarters, and I have done the thing where I've sit there and just hit the refresh button to see oh if there's God. any new pledge or any. So so what what advice do you have for people about keeping your sanity during that time period? Find yourself a very understanding wife. <laughs> I have a wife that has been up with me quite a bit. So, and the in-laws actually too. This whole vacation week, I've been refreshing and refreshing and refreshing. Yeah, so it's really important to just find people who support you and in your insanity. Oh, that's <laughs> great. That, yeah. That's true. I think that's that's very true of all all people running Kickstarters. We're all we're all hitting that that refresh button at the tops to see if anything <laughs> yeah. changed. Yeah, I think so, it's important too to realize. Obviously, it's it's not final um so if it doesn't fund there's always a chance to relaunch obviously like we said tokyo rose is a relaunch of the original mm -hmm. project so um as as scary and i i get super stressed out and so i'm not the best person for, for this advice but i i try every once in a while and be like you know if anything happens we we can do this again it's it's not like a life or death thing um, but but it is that sanity, like you said. I mean, I check mine all the time, and I even had it like for my own projects where it, it will send me a notification. Kickstarter will send me notifications to my phone, and I always have to smile when someone backs the project. I'm like, oh yes, I I want these notifications. <laughs> yeah, and and the the other thing is that you you when you launch, you sort of you get that initial rush, and then you have that that time period in the middle where things. You know, <laughs> Slow We're down. At that period right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that that that's that that's the that's the really really trying part is yeah. the is the middle where it's mid campaign it's slump. Yeah. yeah. So I think feeling like uh, you're just starting to like slam your head against the wall halfway through too, just by how many times you're posting on social media mm -hmm. and hoping you're not losing any friends along the way because you're posting <laughs> two to three, you know, on my Kickstarter messages every day, you know, and you yeah. just go to I'm so sorry you have to put up with this mail for the next 30 days and hopefully you'll still be there at the end and some some are okay with that some aren't so it's it's hard but you know repetition is what gets you places so yeah that's all awesome right. all right um so why don't we uh why don't we uh bring this to a close with a couple of uh final uh thoughts and uh questions uh Noah do you want to ask uh, any anything here um, like I said before, this sounds like a really unique story. And again, you know, you, you don't really see straight historical rep adaptations in comics. So I'm very excited to read Tokyo Rose and now um, Simon the Nazi Hunter as well. Simon says the Nazi Hunter. I'm, I'm very excited to read those and learn more about these people that I don't know anything about. <laughs> Yeah, I I agree as well. I uh, I went to I went to school uh, and I was a was a history major. Not that not that I'm using that now, but I, I'm definitely interested in in, in reading that now. Um, so we will definitely provide links uh, to the Kickstarter and 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 some images to the Kickstarter. But why don't both of you guys let people know where they can find you uh, online so you can inc possibly increase uh, the the eyeballs on this project. Yeah, you know, right now everyone should just go straight to Kickstarter, type in Tokyo Rose if you're not going to go to the link, um, and just that's where everything that comes about the story is is at right now. You can find all the information, all the artwork, um, a little bit of the background, some photos of Iva Tagori, and um, that's where we're driving all the attention. 
Um, if you are interested in looking at some of my other books, you can find my work at arfstudios.net. That's arfstudios.net. Um, I have all my other graphic novels there, um, as well as uh, some of my artwork and illustrations. So it's a good place to Very connect. Cool. Very cool. And, and Andrew, how about you? Uh, my company is called Atheris Entertainment. It's A-T-H-E-R-I-S. And so our website is just atherisentertainment.com. That will get to all the social media and stuff. And on Twitter, I'm Atheris Andrew. So. Very cool. All right. Uh, do you guys have anything you want to you wanna add uh, before we, uh, we, we close out here? Help us fund this comic and uh, make it be on this 7,500. That's all I can think about right now. So. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's, that, that's Kickstarter mania, getting that, getting that, that funding goal. Yeah. All right. Well, I'd like to uh, thank everybody for listening. And like I said, we're going to provide show notes to, uh, and links to all of this uh, when, we, when we post. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at Construct Compod. We are on Instagram at Constructing Comics, and we are on Facebook at Constructing Comics, uh, Facebook forward slash Constructing Comics. And I'd like to uh, thank everybody uh, for tuning in and listening to this episode. And please make sure you go to Kickstarter and search for, for Tokyo Rose. Uh, thank you, and uh, goodbye.